0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr.
1: Let's start to take some questions. Um, uh, Those of you that haven't signed up, I've got my phone right here. I'm getting questions from people right now. Um, you can send your questions in right now live. I'll be reading them. I won't be reading your name. Uh, they'll be anonymous, as it were. Uh, so don't have to worry about what you're asking in the question because we won't reveal your identity, especially if you're you know, a superhero and you don't want your secret identity revealed. Um, we're going to put it in. Where
0: you're in the witness protection.
1: If you're in witness protection program and hiding from the mafia, we will not reveal your identity on the broadcast. Um, so let's let's jump into a few of these questions and then Carolyn and I will um, work to answer these together. Uh, this is, a, I almost said the name right off the bat. I'm not going to say the name. I'm not going to say the name. Here's a question that just came in. Uh, how do you stand solely is turning away from you? Uh, My son has not spoken to me since January the 3rd, and my mom won't have anything uh, to do with me either. And so the question is, how do you stay strong as a believer? And just in life in general, how do you stay so strong when your family's turning away from you? I think one of the biggest things that you've got to lean on is the peace of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible uh, actually tells us that there will be people who will turn away from us because of the life that we choose to live for Christ. That's happened. Think about being overseas uh, and leaving a cultural religion that uh, your entire nation is entrenched in, including all of your family members. Think about think about leaving Islam or think about leaving, uh, you know, Judaism and, and going from being an Orthodox Jew or something and realizing Jesus is the Messiah. And you leave, think about leaving something like Islam or Judaism, and then your whole family disowning you because you've left the cultural religion. That's serious, but people have done it. And God said, there's a blessing That comes on people that even though you're hated for what you believe, you believe it anyway and you live it anyway. Now, obviously, and I'm going to answer this question, if there's things that we've done uh, that have caused others to turn away from us that maybe were sinful, I'm not saying that's the case here. But let's just say, for example, somebody had an affair and now the children won't talk to that parent because they're mad that, you know, the the divorce happened because of a mistake someone's made. You just have to pray for forgiveness, ask those people to forgive you and believe that God will restore the relationship. If it's something having to do with the way that you're living for Christ or something like that, then you've got to trust in the peace of God.
0: Well, you know? well, yeah, it's just like anything. Not everybody is going to agree with that. And so you have to make up in your mind that I'm going to serve Jesus no matter what. Mm-hmm. No matter who does it with me. No matter who's by my side. No matter what. Because, you know, f- we get kind of caught up in the title of family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, blood and this and that. And we have to realize that, yes, soul ties are created. It is family. There is a connection by... uh the natural blood but we are to be connected and uh serve and be have Christ as number 1 in our life. So whether Ted continue to serve the Lord or uh, you know what I mean anyone that's close to me that's in in my life right now, my parents, my my sister, anyone like that, mm-hmm. I have to know that I have to move forward and continue to serve the Lord because at the end of the day I'm serving him. I'm not serving everybody else. Right. He's my number one, and that's who I have to make up in my mind. That no matter what happens, it's just like the people, like he was saying, the serving the Lord and and leaving their their their. I mean, leaving their culture. That that is ingrained in them. That is not easy mm-hmm. for for uh, Jews to become born again Jews. Right. Or people to leave um, Islam
1: or anything, anything.
0: else. It's um, a,
1: if it's a cultural religion. That it's not just—I mean, think about Judaism. You know, think about Jews. Think about those that are maybe from—you know—the Middle East, where it's almost like a national religion. It's a—it's part of the culture. It's actually woven into the culture. Um, you know, if you leave, and Firegals giving um, a, a, a perfect example, my family came and still comes against me, and left, and her and her mother left uh, Judaism, uh, but you know what? The family comes again. Why? It's not just a religion. It's the culture. They feel like you're turning your back on the culture. They actually feel like you're turning your back on who they are as a people group. And, that, and that's not the case. It's funny to me because uh, there's many Jews that'll act like that. However, they never go to temple. They never practice any of the uh, Jewish laws. I mean, they'll, they'll live however they want. But then if somebody comes against or, or leaves Judaism, then they're like, oh, I can't believe it. They don't even live it. It's like they don't even, it's just part of the culture and they feel like you're turning your back on the people themselves. You're not, but that's the feeling because it's cultural. But let me read to you uh, Mark chapter 10 verses 29 and 30. Uh, Listen to this. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Uh, look at what fire gal said. God gave me an adopted church family, people that are now treating her like family, loving her like family. Um, the, the Lord promised if we leave brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, whatever it might be, he will give us um those relationships, not in the age to come, but in this life. And so there is a blessing that comes on people for um, obeying what Christ has asked them to do and living a life for Christ. And so it's very important. And that's an excellent, excellent question. Um, Here is, uh, let me see here again, another question. This is another question that just came in. How do you know... um, when God, I believe the question is leading, when God is leading your spirit to preach, teach. I'm guessing uh the question being, how do you know when um how do you know when God is leading you uh in life decisions to preach, to teach, to pray? There's Evangeline Tyler, that's Joel's wife. Good to see you. God bless you. We love you guys. Um, that's a very important question. How can you be led by the Spirit of God? First of all, I would say Uh, If you've not taken a moment to read this book, there's an excellent book written by uh, Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, who's gone on home to be with the Lord, uh, called How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. Excellent book, and he teaches how to be led by the Spirit. And uh, I I recommend that book for everybody that is a Spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal believer uh, because being led by the Spirit is probably the most important thing Outside of obeying the written word of God, being led by the Spirit of God is probably the most important thing that you can do in the world Uh, because it literally determines your whole entire life. I would have never met Carolyn um, if I wasn't led by the Spirit of God. I would never have the beautiful children that I have today that we had together if I was not led by the Spirit of God. There are so many things in my life that would never have taken place if I was not led by the Spirit of God. And so um, it's very important to understand that the Bible says that his sheep know his voice and a stranger's they will not follow. His sheep know his voice and a stranger's they will not follow. One of the things that we always say to people that are asking about, how do I know which way to go? How do I know which is the right choice? How do I know where to go to school? What job to take? One of the things that we do, and you can talk a little bit about this, one of the things that we do is we understand that peace is the element that leads you forward in the kingdom of God. Isaiah 55 and verse 12 The Bible says that you shall go out with joy and be led forth by peace. You shall go out with joy and be led forth by peace. So the thing that leads you forward is peace. Love you too, Jay. Brittany said, yeah, if you didn't stalk her at her job, (laughs) I did stalk her at her job, but that's because I had peace to stalk her at her job. No, it's true though it's it's all about feeling the peace. I I even took the time to pray before we went on our first official date. And I, I spent three days, Good Friday through Easter Sunday of 2005, fasting and praying and saying, Lord, if she is the one, then let me have the peace for it. Give me the green light is what I said. That's what I was meaning. Uh, and then I'll pursue. But if it's not, if she's not for me, Let me know and I'll just move on. And at the end of that time of fasting and prayer, because that's a huge and important decision, huge and important decision, who you marry. At the end, I felt the green light. I felt the peace of God. And I said, I'm going to go out. As soon as I felt that on Sunday afternoon, first thing I did was text her and ask her when she was getting off work. I was asked, let's go out tonight on a date. Let's not wait till next week, next month, next year, right now. Why? I had the peace. And that's key, having the peace to move forward.
0: Yeah, because I'm not even from Virginia. So it took a lot of faith on my part. And I was 21, getting ready to be 21 years old. So I'm 20 years old, living down in Florida, going to college. And um, my parents, like a year before, had moved up to Virginia Beach to be close to my sister and stuff. But I mean, I I lived in South Florida. There was no reason to move. And so... When you think logically, you're like, well, you're, you're here with your friends, the state you've always loved, it's Florida, it's sunny, you're going to college. Why do you feel in your spirit, man, that you need to do something different? So when I prayed about it and got a, a word to move, you know, I, had, I didn't have all the puzzle pieces. I didn't have any friends up there. I didn't have a school that I was um, going to. I had to apply for another school. And the natural, it was like, why are you moving? You're comfortable here. There's no reason to move. And so, I, but I knew that it was what you're supposed to do. You have to realize that you have to take these steps, these leading of the Holy Spirit that he gives you without having all the puzzle pieces. You can't be that much of a planned person that you completely plan the Holy Spirit out of the equation because you can do that. You're like, well, I don't know what it's going to bring. I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know. I don't, I don't know this, but you have to take that step of faith to get in the know. It says here in, um, Psalm 375, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. So when I trusted in him, then I got the act. I he acted on my behalf. I got up there. I found a good job. My dad, being led by the Holy Spirit, a great man, was at work and saw an advertisement for the church that his uncle had started. So they found the church that Ted was at before mm-hmm. I had even moved to Virginia Beach. Holy Spirit, it it worked. With my listening to the Holy Spirit and because we both did it, I was able to move to Virginia Beach, started going to the church, found Ted, and then, yes, then he stalked me after I found him at the church. (laughs) No. (laughs) I did. But all of these little pieces is, and then, you know, we lived there for 14 years. Great church, great house, perfectly happy, family around the corner, ministry was growing every year, no reason to move. Then the Holy Spirit led Ted while he was driving to a meeting saying that we needed to move. You know what I mean? So you have to realize that not every time the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, one, you're going to have all the answers, and two, it's going to make sense. It doesn't True. always make sense. There was no another no reason to do what the Holy Spirit's asking us to do other than obedience. Yeah. And obedience brings the blessing of God. That's exactly and right. And once we moved here... Just completely leap of faith because you have to think about it. We owned a house in Virginia Beach, completely fine, doing Mm -hmm. good, Uh, started off with a four bedroom house. So it's not like we needed to move because we had kids. We started off with enough room and as we had kids, it it filled up fine. So there was no reason. And so you have to think, well, I'm going to move to Florida quickly and I'm going to rent a house. It's like, wait a second, you can kind of feel like you're stepping backwards a little bit to be like, I own a house, now I'm going to go from owning a house to renting a house. But it, it all flowed and within two years, the two year mark of moving to Florida, we signed on a house. Bigger and better than we had ever even had in our minds. Like the Lord completely blessed us for taking that step of faith Yeah. that we didn't see that in Virginia. We just saw the instruction. And once we did the instruction, it brought everything else. It fell into place perfectly.
1: Absolutely it did. Yeah, and that's the blessing of being led by the Spirit. You know, faith, although it knows it's going to something better, it, it claims the promise ahead of time. It doesn't always see what's going to take place. That's why it's faith. That's why it takes faith. You have to be able to be willing to move into the unknown when the one who knows the unknown leads you there. And that's such an important thing to know about being led by the spirit is that God's not going to show you every single thing. If he did, it wouldn't take any faith to do. It wouldn't take any faith to do that.
0: One thing I will say, uh, serving the Lord, you know, I would, was saved at five, but I mean, I've been in church since I was born, but I will say that you have to be okay with the uncomfortable. You have to be okay with the uncomfortable and you have to be a person that has the wisdom to plan and set goals and, and not, you know, and, and not be like, a uh, loose loose screwed <laughs> Christian. There are some of those out there that just, you know, you don't need any advice from them. You have to be that person, but you have to know when to switch. Yeah. When to do something that's completely crazy or when to do something that's completely doesn't make sense. Because mm-hmm. I have learned that over the years that you have to let that part, that control part inside of you, die off. Yeah. Because you can't move to levels of faith. If you've got to be in control and you've got to feel like you've got to always be in that comfort zone right? because your faith doesn't work in a comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Your faith works completely out of the comfort zone yeah. in order to move to the next level. And you're never going to hit cap on your faith. It's increased levels of faith your entire life until you know you go home to be with the Lord and he comes back for us. You have to realize you've got to be out of that comfort zone.
1: Absolutely. Here's a question. Uh, how do I explain to my mom and cousin who are Seventh-day Adventists that uh, the Sabbath, you know, they think the Sabbath is on Saturday, so sev- if you don't know, Seventh-day Adventists uh, go to church on Saturday observing the Old Covenant uh, law of Sabbath uh, on Saturday, which is what the day was in the Old Covenant. Uh, Sabbath was Saturday, not Sunday. Um, how how can I explain to them that it's okay for us to go to church on Sunday, um, they believe that as a Pentecostal, they're wrong uh, for going to church on Sunday, not Saturday. That um, you know, it's it's supposed to only be uh, on Saturdays, as according to the law of Moses. Uh, first of all, Jesus fulfilled the law of Moses, and we're not under the law anymore. And so, the Sabbath day, uh, we don't ob- observe it the same way that they did under the law. And people say, and you know, you'll hear this said. Well, you know, Sunday is actually pagan in origin because it was the day of the worship of the sun and people people have been Christians have been tricked into to moving away from the Sabbath day and into Sunday. It's a pagan tradition, a pagan ritual. It's not true at all. Historically, the reason Christians gather together on Sunday is because Sunday was the day of the week Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And so if you read even in um, the book of Revelation, where uh, John the Revelator said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. What he was referring to when he said the Lord's day was Sunday. It was the day Jesus was resurrected from the dead. So Christians don't gather together on Sunday uh, because of the fact uh, it's it, we got tricked into some pagan ritual from people that worship the sun. The, the reason Christians gather together on Sunday is because it's the day Christ was raised from the dead. And we, we gather in remembrance of that redemptive act of resurrection, the power that comes with it, and we celebrate Christ on the day that Uh, he was raised from the dead. And so uh, the thing that I would explain to Seventh-day Adventists, of course, I don't try to explain anything to Seventh-day Adventists, but if they asked me the question why, I would say the reason we gather is because it's the day Christ was raised from the dead. And historically, going all the way back to the early church, Christians gathered on Sunday, not Saturday. It was the day of the Lord. It's the day of the Lord, as as the... uh, John the Revelator said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and referring to the day that Christ was raised. So that's the that's the answer to that question. It's very cut and dried, very clear and easy to understand. Uh, the second question is this, Why are the, why is it that people who are filled with the Holy Spirit are not operating in power? How do you start operating in power? This is a very good question. Why is it that people that are filled with the Holy Spirit are not operating in power. The reason is because being filled with the spirit is not the only step that it takes to operate in power. You, it's, it's like this, uh, you know, for your car to go anywhere, it has to have gas in the tank. But you realize that putting gas in the tank is not the only prerequisite to your car going somewhere you also have to turn the car on, you also have to put the car into gear, and you also have to hit the gas to allow the engine to use the fuel that's in the tank. The same exact thing is true with believers. You can be filled with the fuel of the Holy Ghost, who is the power that causes your engine to work. However, you still have to turn the car on, still have to put in into gear, and you still have to press the gas. Meaning, you still have to take actions of faith to go and do the things Christ has called you to do and operate in power. Let me give you an example. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost, but if you never laid your hands on sick people and prayed the prayer of faith, then you would never see anyone healed. Why? You've got all power, but you haven't turned the car on. You've not put it in gear. You've not pressed the gas. Because it's not just about being filled with that power. It's about taking actions of faith so that the power can operate.
0: Yeah. And the Bible talks about being filled and refilled. So when you give the car analogy, you fill and you refill a car to go (laughs) with the gas.
1: You have to have a steady influx of the move of the Spirit in your life. I always tell people... If you are waiting, if you're still depending on a touch from God you got back in 1991, you've waited too long to have relationship with the Holy Ghost. It's a daily relationship. It's a daily refreshing. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. But two chapters later in Acts chapter 4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. The same people. We're filled with the Holy Spirit again. So understand you cannot just be filled with the Spirit, you can be refilled with the Spirit.
0: I have a question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I don't personally have a question. I have a question to read. If someone has asked Jesus, it's two parts, so we'll do the first one. If someone has asked Jesus into their heart, lived for him a good chunk of their lives, still profess to be a Christian, they're good people, believe in the Lord and everything, but yet aren't really serving him right now by only casually going to church, maybe watching some messages, um, somewhat talk about God with their kids, but they drink, gossip, swear, etc., would they still go to heaven?
1: So here's the answer to that question because be part two after. I, I'm going I'm to break something down that's very hard for people to understand and I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. Anybody that watches the broadcast for any period of time, first of all, you know that I'm not a reformed Calvinist. You know that I'm a Pentecostal. You know that I'm a, not a cessationist. I'm a continuationist. I believe in the Holy Spirit's work today. I'm also not a hyper grace teacher. Okay, so let me tell you what I mean by that. Reformed Calvinists believe that you have nothing to do with your salvation in the first place. God chose you to be saved, made sure you heard the gospel. You can't resist the gospel when you hear it. You believe it, you're saved, and then you will take actions of holiness for the rest of your life until Jesus comes or until you die. That's what Reformed Calvinists like Baptists and Presbyterians believe, Hyper grace people believe that maybe you have a free will, a free choice, you can choose to be saved when you hear the gospel, but then once you're saved, your sins don't matter anymore. Now, Baptists don't believe that. They believe that people who sin were never really saved in the first place. If they go on continuing in a life of sin, they weren't converted because a converted person will take actions of righteousness through the rest of their life until Jesus comes or until they die hyper grace people believe once you get saved sin can no longer separate you from God your sins don't matter because your past present and future sins were forgiven by the shedding of Jesus blood I don't believe either one of those so when this person says someone was saved for a good chunk of their life and now they seem to just live however they want to live Um, you know and they, they attend church casually Uh, They may drink, you know, whatever the things they listed there were. Will they still go to heaven? Remember this, going to heaven is not based upon what you do. This, This is a biblical doctrine. What does it take for a person to be saved? For a person to be saved, according to the word of God, what the apostle Paul taught, they have to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ They've got to believe it in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Those are the prerequisites for salvation. Now, if you're asking me how much sin does it take or how lackadaisical do you have to be in your salvation to lose your salvation, I can't answer that question because obviously I don't know what goes on behind closed doors with people's lives I don't know if they're adhering to 1 John 1, 1.9. Uh, if we'll confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can believers sin? Yes. That's why 1 John 1, nine was written. That if you, By the way, it was written to Christians, not Gnostics as the hyper-grace teachers teach. That's ridiculous. It's written to Christians. And so because it's written to Christians, You understand that it's possible, obviously. If it wasn't possible for Christians to actually sin, Paul wasted a lot of parchment sending letters back to churches telling them to stay free from sin. He was writing to Christians in all of his letters telling them, stay free from sin. Of course it's possible for a Christian to sin. Is there help for when you sin? Yes, there's forgiveness. You can actually pray and the Lord will forgive you of your sin. You don't know the state of someone's heart. It's not my job or your job to judge the veracity of somebody's salvation, the truth of their salvation, the reality of it. It's not your job. It's not my job. They're God's servant, not your servant. So your job is to actually live your life for Christ as fully and faithfully as you can and not try to judge someone else's salvation because you can't. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You just have to pray that God strengthens them, that they catch on fire, get hungry. I can't tell you, you know how many mistakes does it take for someone to lose their salvation? I think if somebody completely rejects salvation and says, forget all that, I'm gonna go live how I want and I don't care anymore about what Jesus did. yes, you can you can step away and walk away from God's grace. No question. you can frustrate the grace of God, the Bible says. so and
0: then the second part was, and if so, what is the draw for a full force believer to stay pressing into the things of God, believing for financial miracles, healings, etc when the first person I talked about is wealthier, just as healthy, etc as the second person who is believing for more but doesn't have it?
1: Yeah, but you have to remember you have to also remember that the first person that you're making um, that you're making as an example, Number 1, if that's truly how they're living their life, then they are in danger of losing their salvation. They're in danger of frustrating the grace of God and in danger of spending eternity in hell. So how what does it matter if you have money if you're about to spend eternity in hell? What what does it matter if you are healthy in body but about about to spend eternity in hell? The other thing that you don't think about the person asking the question is are they doing everything that the Bible says to receive what God's plan for them to have. Yeah, that's
0: what I was going to say is that I would make a focus on making sure you're doing everything that the Word of God says to receive everything that He says as a child believer that we are supposed to have, to operate in, to live by, Not, not worrying about what your neighbor does, someone in your family. I would take the focus off of that and just make sure you and your family, your husband, if you're married, your children are living exactly the way the word of God has told us that we're supposed to live and doing everything that you're supposed to be doing.
1: No question. yeah, have-
0: It's just like with healing and stuff. You know, people get sidetracked. They get their blinders off and they say, well, this person was a Christian, but they died of this or this person was a Christian and they got a hold of this disease or they're battling this. And, you know, well, maybe it's God's will that we kind of learn, you know, what it feels like to be sick to, um, experience his healing. And that's a bunch of crap Right? because that's that's not what the word of God says. No, you can't go by what other people are doing and living, you know, their, their fruit's going to come out there and all that's going to, you know, be exposed. You have to do and, and make your focus on what does this say? This is my instruction manual. This is the only thing I'm supposed, only thing I'm supposed to go by and keep your blinders on no matter what anyone else is going through or says.
1: True. And 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 that is Brittany's asking on YouTube. Um, maybe if they're convicted about their actions, it's a good indicator that they still care. Yes, if you can sin and no longer feel guilt, shame. If you can no longer feel conviction, you're in a bad place. You're in a bad place. If you can live constantly disobeying God's word and don't feel bad about it, you're you're in a place where you need at that point to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit and to come back to Christ. In the same question, uh, line of questioning about faithfulness to God's kingdom, this question was asked. Some people are very strict about their daily devotions. They say that they must have exactly one hour in the presence of God and read their Bible every day, and if you don't stick to that, then you're being unfaithful. Other people say that's too religious, and it's okay to do a little bit shorter, or a little bit longer, depending on where the Spirit takes you that day. What is your stance on this? Well, uh, this, I'd have to say it this way. I'd have, I'd have to go by, uh, there's obviously nowhere in the Bible that tells you how long to pray, right? We just have to look at the examples of the apostles and examples of Jesus and see what did they do? Uh, because that would, Jesus, by the way, is our example. The apostles are also our examples. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So they are there to be examples to us. Um, I will say this, though. I will say this. Um, we do other things. You know, she, th- this this person mentioned, um, you know, they say you got to spend exactly an hour in the presence of God. I don't think that you, that, that you know, when you make a, 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 a statement like that, I have to spend an hour in the presence of God. But I would say that an hour is a good marker or a good, it seems like, In the New Testament, that was kind of an average type of thing. For example, Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. So we know that the early church had an hour of prayer that they spent in the presence of God. Uh, Another example would be in Matthew 26. Jesus takes his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, Well, no, it's, it's... Savannah, are you praying right this second?
0: Are you, are you doing that? You can't it as say you that Luke
1: 10, 27, the Bible does say to pray without ceasing. So yes, it does tell us how long to pray. Unless. So what are you going to do when you go to sleep? You are you still praying when you sleep? It obviously doesn't mean that. So no, there's not a place in the Bible that tells you how long to pray. You go to Matthew 26, Jesus came back and found his disciples sleeping and said, couldn't you even pray with me for one hour? Which shows you that Jesus didn't think an hour of prayer was a long time. It seemed to be standard. There were times Jesus prayed all through the night. There were times that Jesus prayed for hours and hours at a time. Um, And so I would say this, this is the stance I take for the one who asked. Um, It's not I don't say, like you're being religious because you're praying for that. You know, the spirit led me to pray less. I I don't believe that the the spirit ever leads you. The spirit leads you to do more, especially today. I mean, that's why I do polls every time I I preach in a a youth convention or something. I'll say, lift your hands if you've ever watched an hour-long show on Netflix. And every hand goes up. Okay, keep your hand up if you've watched three shows, episodes, back-to-back-to-back. without stopping three hours. Like 80% of the hands are still up. I did it at Uproar. Keep your hand up if you've watched five episodes back to back to back to back to back without ever stopping. And 50% of the hands are still up. Okay, if you've ever watched a whole season of a show without stopping, you binged it, keep your hand up. It's still like 35%. That's a minimum of 10 hours of watching streaming shows. So you can't tell me that the spirit is leading you to do less than your flesh is leading you to do in the carnal. So you think that your flesh is leading you to watch 10 hours of a show, but the Spirit's only gonna lead you to do 20 minutes of prayer? I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. I think people prioritize other things over prayer, over Bible reading, and that's their, their excuse is, well, the Lord led me to do less today. No, he didn't. You just prioritized other things over the word and prayer. It's pretty. It's it's plain, because your flesh will sit there and hold your pee in. You'll hold your pee into your bladder for you know four hours at the movie theater.
0: Doing it right now. You
1: know, (laughs) to to literally go and do something that's entertaining to the flesh, and people won't pray for an hour. So I mean, you you just think about it. The spirit's not going to lead you to do less. He leads you to do more. I don't look at that. As religious, I look at it as faithful dedication to the kingdom. No one that's ever done anything powerful for the kingdom has not been a person of prayer. Everybody that's done powerful things for God have always been people of prayer. You look at Pastor Ataboye, who took who took the um, the Redeemed Christian Church of God in Nigeria. Who at the time he took it over, I think had just over a hundred churches in the denomination. He fasted and prayed. Until he was 70 years old he did th- 340 day fasts a year and prayed every night from 12 midnight till six in the morning every night and took that to a place where it has not just a hundred and some churches, it has churches in 120 nations of the world. one of the most uh, largest Pentecostal denominations that there is um, you look at Dr. Cho who built a church of over a hundred uh, of over a million people who would go into prayer mountain that he built and go into a grotto and just pray, 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 They wake up at four in the morning to go pray, 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 pray. All they do is pray, pray and fast. How do you build a church of over a million people? By prayer and fasting. And so I don't look at it and say, oh, that's just religious. What I say is it is dedication and faithfulness to the kingdom. People that care do it. You know, it's like, well, the Lord Lord only sp- led me to spend twenty minutes with my wife today. I didn't need to really see her that much, and she's less important than the Holy Ghost. Well, we, I only really need to spend about twenty minutes with you today. I don't, I don't need much more than that. You know, that relationship's not going to flourish. You see what I mean? And so, how do you expect your relationship with the Holy Ghost to flourish if you don't spend any time with him? And I don't believe He leads you to do less. I believe He leads you to do more. Love you too, Stephen. Good to see you. Hope you had a great time. Um, is salvation and eternal life interchangeable in the New Testament? Nina, give me an example of what you mean. I mean, salvation leads to eternal life, so I'd have to see an exact uh, example of what you're talking about. Um, let me give you, you have another question or do you want me to? Well,
0: no, Tammy said she asked about the Pandora bracelet and charms. Uh, and let me, unless um, you have like evil charms no she, from she, your she, I think
1: she t- sent that in. Yeah, but uh, she also oh, wrote yeah. it up there. She wrote it here. I mean, uh, she she did send it in about the bracelets. She had heard people saying that they were evil. Pandora charms They need to get rid of their Pandora bracelets. They're evil or whatever. Um, what do
0: you have? Your birthstone as a charm. Your grandkids. You have a dog. I don't charm? know the
1: history of that.
0: I mean, it's like those Alex and Annie bracelets.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. I. They I don't have know anything
0: charms about it. that are you know like evil? the new age. Well, no, like the new age stuff that you they all believe in, but that's. The people's discretion that buy the charms other than that it's a it's a uh sterling silver bracelet yeah I, I, that you add the charms to it's i've like not heard the of alex it. And christians
1: annie. are are notorious being for being for calling everything evil everything wicked you know i they're have notorious a whole for set it.
0: of alex and annie bracelets i've got the holy spirit dove i've got my kids birthstones i've got my initial none of it is uh you know casting evil spirits you right. go in the store they do have charms for you know whatever people that believe just don't stuff. do evil stuff just don't do it yes pretty ones there you go tammy uh here's you a wear question. your bracelet and you're fine plus anything no deadly thing can come near your dwelling exactly you're good
1: um danielle <laughs> yeah th- so here's a question my my children are six and almost five and are asking how they can pray in tongues they hear me speak pray in tongues often and they want it for themselves How can I help them at such a young age to pray in tongues? Um, Our daughter Madeline was filled with the Holy Ghost at five years old. And so it's different. I understand that it's different for everybody. Um, Brooklyn is six. Yeah. And she's not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit. Maddie was five. She was in a children's church class and her cousin laid hands on her in the class. She fell out and the Holy Ghost started speaking in tongues. I was filled with the Holy Spirit at five. starting to
0: ask and it was funny because during camp meeting... And you were um, singing and stuff, but there's a few times you had like people lift hands and press in. And I look over and she's going, now whether anything was coming out, she's now seeking getting it. in that place where it's like, well, I know this is right. I'm not quite sure about it yet, meaning the full understanding of it. She's six.
1: And, and we've never pressured her, like, you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I so. know.
0: Parents, that's one of the things I get messages for where parents are so worried for their kids, like uh, living for the Lord. It's like they're five. Come at them on their level. Just talk to them at their level. Explain to them. At this point in, in life, it's their reflection of what you're doing. You know, you can teach them so much, their mind's uh, taking in so much, their spirit man's taking in so much. But you have to be the one as an example. I'll get moms write me and they're so worried. I had one say, you know, my five-year-old, they, I, I want to read to them or I want to do this with them and all this stuff the mom has planned out for them. And, and it's like, but they take, they, they don't want to. They seem like they don't care. It's like, they're five, they're not going to be studying the word of God like you're doing at 36 years old. They're not going to always, you know, some kids do, some don't. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that their salvation's lost or they're not going to be on fire for, for the Lord. So you got to take it easy a little bit. I'm not, I'm not saying you, Danielle. I'm just saying, like, take it easy a little bit. You revealed Teach the them. question, asker. She asked it on here.
1: No, she asked it. Here. No, she asked oh, she it did. here
0: first. Damn. And then you didn't. You ignored her. So then she went to the text well, based on the instruction. Well, that's instruction. So you Thank <laughs> you, Jesus. So now that's true.
1: But so, you know, love you, you too, Pastor Terry.
0: But that's it. Brooklyn is now starting to see her sister talk about it. Yeah. See her mom and dad. She's around it. She hears it at home. And they there, and so you know what, Danielle, you have the ability to lay hands lay on hands your on own them. kids mm-hmm. and 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 teach them. That's so right. So when you lay hands on them encourage them to begin to speak it out because we had to do this in church the other day where we were asked to lay hands um, on people who wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit and they'll just stand there. And it's like nothing's gonna come out of your mouth until you make yourself the holy spirit
1: doesn't control you
0: so while i was laying hands on people i was also praying but as in the middle of my prayer i would explain to them you've got to speak out it's gonna sound funny at first it's gonna sound weird you know your natural ears hear it and you're like well that that's doesn't sound right, but it doesn't matter. Keep speaking it. So you have your kids do that, Danielle. They're interested, so that means they're primed. They're ready. Lay hands on them. Explain it to them, and have them start saying things. Mm-hmm. And as they say things, then each day they'll add to it. So your so your you spirit can do language
1: it. grows just like a natural language. I promise you that. When I was Absolutely. young and had been first filled the Holy Spirit, my prayer language, my heavenly language, sounded one way. As you mature in the spirit, the more I've used what God's given me, let me tell you, my spiritual language, my heavenly language has increased. I know it. I can see it. I've noticed it. Your spiritual vocabulary, though you may not even know what you're saying, it increases. And I'm telling you, I've watched that happen in my own life. And I know I've heard teaching on it. It it happens. It takes. It's true. Adalas or John is saying, Brooklyn resists the Holy Spirit. She quenches. She quenches the Spirit. That's why she's not there. She's a stiff necked. That's exactly right. I hey, I rebuke received. It's probably the parenting. Um, heart of heart. <laughs> She's
0: got a stone heart, little Brooklyn. You
1: stiff necked people. How long will you resist the Holy Spirit? I'm going to tell her that later. Um, which of the prophets did Brooklyn not kill? I'm going to spank her for that later. Just get her ready for a spanking. Oh, um, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> this is a great question here as well. Uh, I'd like to know your take on the fivefold ministry. Um, like you're an evangelist, so you're connected to a pastor. Is there an apostle, prophet, teacher with that your ministry is connected with? If that makes sense, um, I believe I'm not like some Pentecostals today that no longer uh, believe uh, in in the the fivefold ministry. That believe apostles and prophets are no longer around. I don't believe that at all. There are still apostles and prophets. Obviously not. there's no apostles of the Lamb available anymore. The, the 12 died. But there are still apostles, and there are still prophets. There are still evangelists, pastors and teachers. I believe in the fivefold ministry. You know, one of the dumbest things I hear people say regarding apostles is, well, because the Word of God never gave us any instructions on how to continue to choose apostles, there aren't any anymore. You don't choose apostles. They are set apart by God. They're called by God, just like any other ministry gift. Same with prophets. You don't choose a prophet. They're called by God. They're separated by God. And uh, there are prophets today. And uh, the five-fold ministry is still functioning. They don't all have to be, uh, and the question I think is, do they all have to be connected one with another, meaning uh, you know, does an evangelist have to be connected with an apostle, a pastor, a prophet, uh, a teacher? I don't believe you have to be connected. We do have a pastor that we attend church faithfully, especially when we're home, and uh, and our pastor preaches, speaks into our lives. We're submitted to the church, submitted to the pastor, um, and and we are we have relationship with all those other ministry gifts as well—apostles, prophets, other evangelists other pastors, other teachers. They all function. They're all doing the work of the ministry. They're all still active today, um, but they don't all have to be directly connected, if you will. Like every ministry has to be connected with one of the other four functioning as that, but they all work in the body of Christ to accomplish uh, the purpose of God. And so, uh, yes, the first first answer is they all are still functioning. They are all are still uh, available today and are being called today, and uh, they're all working in the body of Christ today. So I would never reject, as some denominations are now doing, um, all fivefold ministry gifts, uh, and and we have friends that are in every gift. We know people that are in every uh, office of the fivefold. So that's a great question, and uh, we're connected with them by the body of Christ, but not. I don't know if how to best say that. Not like connected as though we're like a part of the same ministry you see you see what i mean so that's an excellent question um here is a question i'm saved filled with the holy ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues several people have told me that i have a calling and i don't know what it is and that i know what it is but i don't how are you to know what your calling is one of the things you can do is fast and pray you know the as we said earlier the holy spirit leads you the holy spirit's the one who calls you the holy spirit's the one who purposes you and so i would encourage you to take time to fast and pray especially if you're feeling that you're somehow called into fivefold ministry for example uh, to be an apostle prophet evangelist pastor or teacher and that i would encourage you to get ministry training To go to Bible school or find some sort of, even if you attend Bible school online, get ministry training. What you do not want to do is to start trying to do the work of the ministry with no training because then the Bible says don't put up a novice. So don't be a novice trying to jump directly into ministry. You need training. You need preparation. I grew up in a minister's home with a family of ministers. And thought that when I went to Bible school, well, it'll just be me hearing a bunch of stuff I've already heard before, and I won't really get anything new, but it'll be, you know, a good place to make connections. I learned so much in just the, the first two years that I was studying, I wondered if I'd ever heard anything before. There is always more you can learn. I'm still learning today. I was learning before this broadcast started. I was taking courses and classes before this taking broadcast. Tests. Taking tests before this broadcast starts. So Always learning, always pressing in for more. You can never have enough knowledge of the things of God. And so uh, if you feel that you're called, pray fast and then seek training and impartation. There's nothing better you could do. The Holy Spirit will lead you. He will lead you. Uh, A question regarding work. Are Romans 10, 9 and 10 and John 10, 28 talking about the same thing? Oh, this was the... the question Revelation. before. Yeah, okay. Let me pull that up for you. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with Romans 10, 9, and 10. Uh, and then John 10:28 is what you're asking about. John chapter 10, verse 28. Uh, I give them eternal life, and they never perish, and no one snatch them out of my hand. So I know the the question that Nina's asking, this is a, uh, a question um, that Reformed Calvinists use to prove... Um, what you would call the once saved, always saved doctrine. The, uh, those that are saved will never fall away because Jesus said those that the Father gives him, uh, he will give them eternal life, raise them up, and they'll never be snatched from his hand. Um, so I, I'm not sure if the question that you're asking, if we go and compare to Romans chapter 10, which is the Romans road of salvation, Paul taught the Romans, uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, uh, you'll be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So uh, they are both referring, Nina, to salvation. They are both referring to eternal life. Um, so uh, if the question, <laughs> that's a funny question, John. If the question you're asking is regarding works uh Removing you from salvation, or if your salvation is true, obviously, um, if you're a Baptist, they would say that if you start sinning and fall away from Christ, you were never saved in the first place. Uh, a Pentecostal would say that if you uh, start sinning and fall away from Christ, you're backslidden, and that you lost your salvation, or that you forfeited your salvation. Um, here's because there's been debates about this for you know hundreds of years. So um, let me just say this, it doesn't matter in practice. And what I mean by that is, um, if you were to, let's just take it from the Baptist perspective. If you were to take actions of holiness and righteousness until Jesus comes or until you die, proving your salvation, you're going to heaven. If you are from the free will side of things, the Pentecostal charismatic side of things, and you take actions of holiness and righteousness until you die, same outcome on both sides. You're going to heaven. Uh, what happens to you regarding, um, and here's the sad thing about if you study, if you truly store, study Reformed Calvinism, no one can ever truly know if they're saved until they die. Because I've even heard uh, Baptist scholars and Reformed scholars say, well, I'm only saved as much as the Holy Spirit witnesses to me that i am i mean i don't know if i'll fall away in the future i don't know if i'll commit sins and and, and uh, in the future uh finally realize that i was never truly saved in the first place until i and the doctrine is called the perseverance of the salvinism perseverance of the saints uh, that you'll persevere in holiness and righteousness until the end but the point i'm making is it doesn't matter which side you look at because in practice they're the same in practice, if you stay living holy and righteous, you're going to heaven. The key is don't sin. That's what Paul told the churches. Don't sin. Romans chapter six, should we continue to live in sin so that God's grace can can abound? Of course not. God forbid, one translation says. So uh, It's it becomes semantics because it's, it's the same thing. You should live holy. You should live righteous until the end. Um, if you commit a sin, It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean that you were never truly saved. That's what forgiveness is for. There is forgiveness for people who commit a sin.
0: Yeah, it just comes with consequences that you don't wanna deal with. And some are worse than others. And that, I mean, when we say sin's a killer, it's a legit killer. (laughs) So it comes with consequences that you shouldn't have to go through, you shouldn't have to deal with. It's much easier to not commit.
1: Shanda is asking a great question regarding marriage. Um, he, her husband doesn't and have James the phone right asked now.
0: one a little while ago about kids.
1: Okay, we'll come back to James. Um, my husband and I have different schedules, so it's unheard of if some days due to work schedules you only have one hour day or to, uh, so together uh, and set apart a weekly date night for longer set apart times together. Make
0: that sometimes, hour count. Sometimes.
1: Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. Oh, Shanda. Uh, I just answered it. Yes, yeah, she did. Okay. Sometimes you can't spend hours a day with the hubby. Does that make me a bad wife nope, or something? make that hour count. Make it count, Shanda. <laughs> Shanda, you get in there and make that hour count. Uh, no. But listen to me. It's very know. important because your husband does need Men are different than women. They're very different than women. Your husband, <laughs> men need that hour to count. <laughs> personal touch more than women many times. It's true. Dude, like right now. It's true. This
0: is gonna keep them going Touch me for more. a little bit longer. Touch
1: me more. Um, No, it, it's <laughs> true. Isn't it true? Have Women, you been working out, girl?
0: Wow, these muscles, girl.
1: You crazy. Um, it, It's true. Men are. Look at that hashtag. See, tons of sex.
0: I knew someone was gonna write it. Um, I thought it would be Danielle first, but it's Brittany.
1: Brittany beat Danielle today. Oh, uh, uh, the, the the answer is this: men need. That physical touch connection um, more many times than women do, and there is obviously exceptions to that rule. But uh, remember this: she
0: said you Sh- will do. <laughs> no,
1: no, Sh- 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 Shannon. Remember this: women are far more emotionally based than men when it comes to many things. And let me give you an example. Um, and we're talking. Hopefully, every I'm not keeping it g rated today. We're going in. Um, hopefully that's there's no kids watching this today but when Going it comes that- when it comes to se- <laughs> when it comes to sex okay let me just give you an example of it. this causes this causes broken marriages and hurt marriages it really does
0: absolutely it's so like so did a when podcast it, let, it. let's say
1: this when it comes to sex
0: michael
1: <laughs> a woman and and i i've learned this after 15 years of marriage a woman how open she is is based upon how she feels cared for, how, how she feels uh, emotionally connected, how she feels personally. Well, I don't even feel pretty right now. I don't feel cute, whatever it might be. That's a factor, whether you care for it or not. It, 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 whether you believe it or not, it's a factor. Am I? How do I feel between my husband and I? Is there tension or is there peace? Do I feel cared for? Do I feel loved? Do I feel helped? Uh, do I feel pretty? Do I feel cared for? Do I? Those are those are real things. I'm laughing
0: because this is not what guys think.
1: No, but it's true.
0: But this is the girl side. This it, is what girls will think.
1: Absolutely, they think like this. And and any guy, any girls that are on here know what I'm talking about. Guys are the exact opposite. Right. We could have just finished screaming at each other, and if your wife said you want to have sex, I'm like all right, let's do it. Guys don't care about the emotional part. <laughs> They don't care about the emotional <laughs> part. They don't have to, listen, guys don't have to feel handsome. Guys don't have to feel cute <laughs> at all. They mm-hmm. don't have, guys don't have to feel emotionally cared for. Guys don't have to feel emotionally connected. Uh, for guys, it's much different. Men many times There's don't under.
0: conversations going on in your head like there are for girls. No,
1: absolutely not. <sighs> that it's absolutely true. And so understand this very, very important. Jake said, hashtag, let's do it. It's exactly right. And, and this destroys marriages because many times men don't get the woman's side. And they think I'm just being rejected. Why won't she? But you don't have to, you don't realize something. She doesn't feel helped by you. She doesn't feel emotionally supported by you. She does, you've not made her feel beautiful, made her feel pretty. You don't tell her enough. How gorgeous she is. You don't maybe just bring home flowers for no reason or care for her and do the things you did when you were dating because you were trying to win her affection. Keep trying to win her affection. Girl, you look good.
0: Let's hurry up and end this broadcast.
1: Girl. (laughs) (laughs) You're looking so hot. But seriously, guys, you
0: can go to your local grocery store and get a massive arrangement of beautiful flowers. 10 to 15 dollars you don't have to go to some florist and spend 60 bucks to come home and surprise them at make all feel good
1: you know what it was one of the greatest things for me especially if i'm on the road is um you know we now have uh instacart instacart is an awesome thing if you don't have it where you are check to see if you do you can it's an app where you can actually have groceries you you actually shop your groceries on the app they deliver it to your house but one of the things that I start doing is that I have the ability, if I'm gone, to choose my local grocery store, have someone go pick up a dozen roses, buy them, and bring them to my house. And instead of paying 1-800 Flowers 45 bucks to more, deliver yeah. roses or more, they go buy me eight dollar dozen of roses, ten dollar dozen of roses, charge me five bucks to deliver it, whatever, fifteen dollars, and I have the ability to deliver. Um, flowers to my wife for 15 bucks when I'm on the road. And so little things like that, just think of those things, you know, think of those things, but it's so true. And so I'm I'm still, I'm still answering Shanda, uh, Shanda and Matt, just remember, yes, you have to make that hour count and just remember what he's needing, what he's expecting. Um, Danielle, on a side note, my husband's coming home early. Uh, Remember this. He needs to feel wanted and loved by you just as much as you need to see, feel emotionally supported and helped by him. Whether you like it or not, it's important to understand what your love languages are because some people don't care at all about physical touch. There's women that don't get, care about physical touch, but they really appreciate gift giving, or quality time, or words of affirmation. You need to you you really need to identify what those That's are. True. And, and 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 you and use it to your advantage and benefit. You both need to know what they are. You both need to know what they even are.
0: Even though you might think it's nice, it's the wrong love language, and so she's just frustrated. Yeah, she doesn't care about doesn't it. Doesn't care about it, and yeah. thinks you know he doesn't get me.
1: Right. That's exactly right. So, <laughs> we're going down a rabbit trail today, folks. Um, let's take one more question, then we're going to pray for you. You said James asked a question about children. Did you I think have so. it? Um. James. Blanchard? Oh, yeah, that's right, it was Jay. He, I'm, he I'm asked sorry,
0: to... Zach, you're not gonna make it. There is a weight limit.
1: Yep, Zach, you've already gone into uh, Sheol. Uh, Jay asked, right what advice would you give us on how to help or encourage our teenagers to read the Bible or devotions more, aside from praying and fasting? Um, I would say one of the things, Jay, if you're still watching, one of the things that my uncle Tiff did with my cousin Jonathan uh, and Jessica, was that he told them? He said, "If you'll, um, he he said that if you'll read the Bible every day until you're old enough to drive, I will buy you a car. Uh, if you read the Bible through every single year, reading the Bible every day, you can't lose. That's investing into your children and putting seed into their spirit. Um, there's nothing wrong with rewarding your children for doing what's right. Nothing wrong with it yeah. at all." I mean, literally.
0: That's what I was going to say, because we yeah. did that with Maddie. Of course. And now we're not doing it anymore. No, she, she doesn't need it. She just gets blessed because she is just a, a good girl. So she yeah. gets other things. But at the beginning of doing her Bible reading, first of all, it was she wasn't going to get the other stuff until, right. meaning iPad, you know, other activities, things like that, until mm-hmm. the Bible was read first and then second we rewarded her by paying her to read the Bible. Just like you would pay uh, kids to take out trash, do chores, clean their room, anything parents pay their kids yeah. for they pay them to read school books they, mm-hmm. they want their kids to have so much knowledge and they, they have them read you know, you read you get straight A's you get something well when I was little it was you the know? book it so you, I would get paid for honor roll too if I got straight A's my parents would pay me this amount per A yeah. this amount per B
1: people are willing to do that but they won't do it for Bible and, reading
0: and so encourage your kids and nothing's wrong with paying them because that's actually how we operate as children to the Lord Exactly, we do things saying Lord, you know, I, I, if we do this, we get the blessings of God. Yeah. We get this. We remember we do this. that
1: he's a rewards so he rewards us God.
0: And we actually think that we think, you know what, Lord, you know, that was in like one of our questions. Hey, I do everything right. Hey, I'm living righteous. Hey, I'm right. doing this. Lord, why am I not getting this Lord? Mm-hmm. So that, that is our natural mentality. And totally. it's like, Lord, I'm doing this. What do I get for doing
1: it? Right. Because he is a rewards-based God. Remember, Hebrews 11.6, he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So I want you to hear this today, all that are watching. You should teach your children a rewards-based system. That is why, and this makes some people laugh, I am against participation trophies because we're making people feel it's okay to not be dedicated. It's okay to, you know, you're going to get a reward for not being good at anything. That's not how the real world operates, and it's how it's not how God operates. We don't want anybody to feel bad that, you know, you didn't dedicate yourself and practice time enough to actually win anything, but here's a participation trophy. There is no participation trophy. He rewards diligent seekers. Do you know what the Bible says? God said, to the one who overcomes, I will give. And then he lists the things that he will give, a new name, a white stone. I mean, he goes through it in the book of Revelation. To the one who overcomes, I will give. So God's a rewards-based God. And when we teach our children that they should do things with the expectation of reward. That's the only reason David killed Goliath. He stopped before going out and said, what's to be done for the man that kills this giant? I'm not going to do it for nothing. I'm doing it for a reward. So what am I going to get? What do I get out of this? Well, that's a very selfish way to live, brother. No, God wants you to live like that because it puts an expectation and a demand on his goodness.
0: But we do it so much in the natural that we have to like let that seep in over in the, the supernatural part. Because it's like when we have, you know, when we pay for our kids to do sports, Maddie does tennis. I have to pay the instructor. I'm expecting her yep. to learn something by me paying. Them. Absolutely, she's doing piano lessons. If she has a piano teacher that comes over, I'm saying, hey, I'm giving this to you. I expect her to know what she's doing Absolutely. at the end. So we have to let that seep in to the things like this. That it's like, hey, I'm paying you. I expect you to read your Bible. This yep. is what I want to see at the end of the week, or this is, you know, if you knew, if you want to give them a track to do then say hey you know by Monday through Friday this is this and then when you've done it here Here's 20 bucks, you know, yeah. something like that. But they, they, they should see that reward naturally too because it just gets them prepared for receiving from the things of God mm-hmm. where they put it into placement when they're on their own and they're operating by their own faith yeah. when they're out there. They have they know what it feels like. They can see it. They're mm-hmm. like, you know what? I did this. This is what my parents in the natural did. Now I'm going to use my own faith Absolutely. and receive it. And, and th- then they start you know, work in their own faith and and when they're out on their own? No
1: question. I'll answer this because this is a quick answer. Fire Gal's asking on YouTube, um, is a gifting and a calling the same thing or does your gifting precede the calling like serving ministry? That's a great question. Here's the answer. A gifting and a calling are not the same thing, but your gifts will supplement your calling. So for example, I am gifted to play the piano and and some would say sing, others would say I'm not gifted to sing, but I am gifted to play the piano for sure. Um, but that's not my calling. My calling is to preach the gospel, to, to evangelize, to be an evangelist. But as you've noticed, that gift supplements that calling, helps that calling. Um, I have a gift to do graphic design, web design, uh, multimedia design, all that that different stuff. That's not my calling. I'm not called to go start a graphic design firm, although I had one at one time. But my calling, it supplements my calling. Those gifts supplement my calling. So you can see things that God's gifted you to do in life. They may help you to discover your calling, but they are not necessarily your calling. And so I would get into trouble if I thought, all I'm supposed to do with my life is go be a piano player, or go be a singer, or go be a graphic designer, or go be a web designer. If that was all I thought, then I would miss out on what my true calling is, which is what the Holy Spirit told me, to be a preacher of the gospel. Well, now that I know that that's my calling, now I understand, oh, the piano playing, the singing supplements that that calling. The graphics design, the web web design, whatever else, multimedia, they supplement that calling. And so they're a help. They're the legs upon which your calling stands. But they're not your calling. But they do help you to discover your calling. So that's an that's an excellent, excellent question. And there have been all great questions today.
0: Listen, if you guys haven't all of them. No,
1: and and I wish we could have. If maybe we'll do it again uh, sometime next week, but if um, if you don't yet have this done, go to miraclewordcom forward slash text, sign up, uh, become a part of this family. Let me text you. You text me. Let's stay in contact. Uh, and you can still ask your questions. I'm going to do my best to answer them via text. We love you guys very much and appreciate you spending time in the presence of God with us on these broadcasts every single day. I'm going to ask my wife to pray a blessing on everybody that's watching today uh, before we go, maybe you're sick, maybe you're struggling in your physical body. We get those all the time. Maybe you're battling depression or anxiety. Uh, you know if 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 you're battling something in your family relationships financially, we want to pray that God will work miracles in your life and that this would be a day of turnaround for you that things will never be the same after this Friday. You'll walk into this weekend in the power of the Holy Ghost. So let's pray for everybody that's watching.
0: Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for each and every person that's watching today. Father God, I pray if anyone that's watching that's battling sickness in their body, I command it to go in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus. You have taken that on the cross for us, that as children of God, we do not have to suffer. We don't have to take what the enemy has sent our way. We can reject it in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray strength in everyone that's watching, that they have a a powerful weekend, Father God. I, I thank you for anyone... Who is watching this that needs wisdom and revelation of the word that when they watch today, they have a new hunger and a desire for the things of God. Yes. Thank you, Father God, for each and every parent that stayed on with us today. Uh, Such a love and a heart that I have for them that you give them wisdom and strength that, that uh, there's a, a peace and a joy within their home, within their marriage, Father God, to work in unity together where there will be strength within the home. Thank you, Lord, for a peace that passes all understanding within all of us. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: Amen. We love you guys. Let us encourage you right now. We're coming to the end of uh, February, by the way. And... Um, Literally, we have one extra day in this month is a leap year. So we have a February 29th.
0: Yeah. Happy so, birthday, everyone, for <laughs> till the next four that's only, years.
1: Everybody that's really like 48, but you're only 12. Um, <laughs> it's, we actually had a guy in our church in West Virginia that he was born on a leap day. And so he was what was he? He was like, you know, what
0: Well, I mean you you do no, you age, every year. You, age, but, you just don't legally, to legally celebrate your birthday. It's true. It's every very sad. four years. It's not like you stopped growing. Really.
1: We want to encourage you guys to sow a seed today. <laughs> if you've not done so,
0: <laughs> take Benjamin a moment.
1: Button. Oh, don't even remind me of that. I movie. never
0: even saw it. I didn't see it either. I just remember I it was weird. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh you we Brad. love you too, Brit. Love all you guys and thank you for saying that. Uh, Fire gal, we love you guys very much. Uh, We want to encourage you guys to sow a seed. Listen, if you appreciate this ministry and you're believing for a harvest, you're believing that 2020 is going to be your year of violent increase and expedited favor, we're already seeing financial miracles taking place uh, for people that are writing in with their testimonies. It's supernatural. Only God uh, can do that. Only God can do it. And how does He do it? Through the power of a seed. When you sow a seed by faith, That seed is multiplied and your harvest comes back to you. And so I want to encourage you, everybody that's partnering with us this month at $85 or more, we're going to be sending you this awesome book, Encounter by my friend, Pastor Alan DeDio, forward by Dr. Rod Parsley. This is a book every believer needs in their library, how you can stay in the fire and the power of God, have a continual encounter with the Holy Spirit and be set and equipped for what God's called you personally to do. I've been reading this phenomenal book. We're gonna send this to you. For everybody that sends $1,000 and sows that as a, a partnership seed this month, this is my new favorite tool. It is the Life Application Study Bible, genuine leather in the New Living Translation. Uh, we're going to sign this to your family. There is so much in this Bible. I've not even tapped the beginning of it. So many notes, so many maps, so many timelines, so many profiles of Bible characters, uh, history behind the scenes, stuff that you need to know when you're studying the word. Yeah. And uh, this is a such a phenomenal tool. And I love a genuine leather Bible. I love genuine leather. Uh, just something about holding a leather Bible. I, I just, I love it. It's so it. soft. I got you one from a, a company up in New England. This is, what is this, calfskin or yeah. goat skin? I love a genuine leather Bible. But
0: it's not as soft as this. No, like this the first this is really Bible soft. The first you ever bought me was a genuine leather and mm-hmm. it was so soft. I love And this. it only gets softer.
1: Right. It builds like a patina. That's time.
0: Absolutely. My, that one that you gave me, that black one when we first started dating, mm-hmm. is like, you felt it. It's. It's like really baby nice, baby skin soft. Now. Oh yeah, it's
1: super soft. So I we love these, and we did these, and they are they are expensive to buy straight out, but um, we wanted to send it to you as a gift to say thank you for standing with us in partnership, and so we're going to send you one of these as our gift to you, as well as the book by Pastor Allen uh, Daddio. If you've not yet signed up to receive our magazine, please do so. Miracle Word Magazine is coming out again for the spring edition which will be out in a few weeks. We're going to be sending it out in a few weeks. There's always stuff to build your faith. Articles from Carolyn, articles from me. We put testimonies in. We give you updates with what's going on. New things that are available for you guys. And uh, this this will be a blessing. It's free. You can go to miracleword.com and there's a picture of this magazine at the homepage. Click on it, sign up to receive yours. Let me ask you to do one favor before we go. If you've not done this, uh, let me ask you to do it. With this new magazine that's coming out, we want to take some of your own testimonials of people that have been a part of Miracle Word University. We want to hear what you have to say about Miracle Word U and the courses you've taken. So if you are a part of Miracle Word U, do this for me. And I'll put it in the comments so that you can see it. Go to MiracleWord.com forward slash next. Let me put it in right now. MiracleWord.com forward slash next. There it is. And uh, there's a poll there that'll take you less than three minutes to fill out about what you'd like to see next in Miracle Word University, and then also a testimonial, what you felt about the courses, classes you've taken. And we want to use that because I was telling you yesterday, one thing, whether we like it or not, one of the things that helps us to make a purchase or do anything we do nowadays is a review. When we want to go to a restaurant, we look at the reviews. We want to buy a product on Amazon, we look at the reviews. We trust what other people say about what we're going to experience or purchase. And so knowing that that's the case, people will want to know what you thought of it. What, as you went through the course, what you, what stood out to you, what you enjoyed about it. So it would mean a lot to us if you would do it, miracleword.com forward slash next. And you can take a short, short poll about the school. We love you guys so much and appreciate you and uh, pray that you have a phenomenal weekend. Choose one Sunday a month to go to church. Go every time the doors are open. Be faithful to the house of God. If you're not in a full gospel church, find one. If you don't know how to find one, contact us, we'll help you find one and uh, be a part of what God's doing. We love you guys so much, and uh, we'll see you again on Monday. I'm gonna have my father. He's gonna be with me next week on the broadcast, hopefully multiple days. And uh, it's going to be powerful. You're not going to want to miss it. Carolyn's doing two lives next week one with my mom on the Faith Alive Facebook page, and then one in Nonstop Mom private Facebook group. Those are both next week? Yeah. So we're going to
0: start doing some lives in the Nonstop Mom Facebook
1: group. Absolutely.
0: Anyone in my group that's watching right now would like that? (laughs) I think you should do them all the time. Where All, the, you, time.
1: You All group, the time. All the time. I know, but I can sneak in there with a fake name and a fake profile picture. I'll be Glenda Richardson. I'll look for that name <laughs> Glenda Richardson.
0: Don't kick me out. Richardson.
1: We love you guys so much. Have a great weekend. We'll see you again on Monday. Love you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.